Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Worth. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. Get more of my teachings on YouTube at Chapel of Change TV and tune in every Sunday on the radio on 99.5 FM for fresh hope. How's everybody doing this morning? It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Uh, I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's uh, welcome those watching online. Let's make some noise. Welcome, welcome those that are watching online. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. When everybody's there, say amen. As you know, we've been going over this text, uh, at least when I've been speaking for about two or three times, and we're not done with it yet. Uh, you know, the Jew, the, our, our Jewish brothers and sisters teach that the word of God is like a diamond, and that you hold up the word of God, and as you turn that diamond, you could see beautiful things through that diamond. And so that's kind of what we do when we come together. We hold up the word of God and we look into the word of God and the Lord feeds us. Someone say, feed me God. Uh, how many remember that Jesus said, man shall not live off the bre uh, bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. So every time we sit up underneath the word, the teaching of the word, God is feeding our spirit, it's feeding our mind, he's strengthening us. By the way, there's going to be two things that you get prayerfully every time you come to Chapel of Change, and that is a dose of the Spirit of God and a dose of the Word of God. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Someone say power. Power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. Someone say power power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled, someone say filled, filled to the measure of all the fullness of of God. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing and ultimately the doing of his word. Uh, I'm excited to share with you uh, some things that we have been learning off of this scripture this, this, uh, this morning. Uh, we we kind of start off our journey on Saturday night in the city of Whittier. How many remember we have a service at Whittier on Saturday nights? And, and God is moving there in a special way. And then we kind of make our journey through Carson and Paramount Long Beach and then back to Carson. And uh, tonight we have our grand opening for our Spanish services here in the Fellowship Hall right here at the Paramount campus. So if you have any relatives 
uh, that speak Spanish uh, in the nombre de Jesus, uh, invite them to join our Spanish uh, gathering in the name of Jesus. I was studying this passage of scripture, and as I begin to meditate on what Paul is, is teaching in this uh, passage of scripture, I, I, I notice that on the surface, uh, there seemed to be a contradiction in Paul's writing. Uh, as we approach this particular text, uh, it appears uh, that Paul is contradicting himself. For example, let me, let, let me uh, get you to think a little bit. Uh, why does Paul pray for the Christians in Ephesus that Christ dwell in their hearts when in other places Paul teaches to be a Christian is to have Jesus inside of you? Think about that for a second. In this passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul's main prayer is that Jesus dwell in their hearts by faith. But in other passages of scripture, Paul teaches that to be a Christian is to have Jesus inside of you. Isn't that true? Like the moment you receive Jesus into your life, the moment you repent from your sins, at that moment, Jesus comes and resides in your heart. For example, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, I'm going to put it up on the screen. Listen to what Paul teaches. He says, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Someone say Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, so to be a Christian is to have Christ inside of you. All Christians have Jesus inside of them. Yet, here's uh, the interesting note. Yet, in Ephesians 3.17 that we read, Paul prays that Christ dwell in them. Why would he pray for this, for the Christians, if it's already true? Why would he pray for them to have something that they already have? Let me give you another example. Uh, in this prayer, in verse 19, Paul prays that they be filled with all the fullness of God. That's his prayer. He says, I'm praying that you be filled with all the fullness of God. Yet earlier in this letter, in Ephesians in chapter 1, he says that Christians are already filled with the fullness of God. Let me show you in Ephesians 1, verse 22. I'm putting it up on the screen. Listen to what he says. He says, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who feels everything in every way. So he teaches right there that as a Christian, God has already kind of filled you up. But then uh, later on in the scripture, in, the, in Ephesians chapter 3, he prays that they be filled with all the fullness of God. Here, here's the thought I want us to think about. Why would he pray for Christians to get things that in other places he says that they already have. Here it is. He discerned that the Christians in Ephesus were not tapping in to the fullness of what they already had. 
He discerned by the power of the Holy Spirit that, yes, they had Christ inside of them. Yes, they were filled with the fullness of God, but they were not tapping into what they already had. They had access to power in principle, but they were not drawing from the power. They had access to the love of God in principle, but they weren't drawing from the love of God. They had access to, 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 to the grace of God in principle, but they were not drawing from the grace of God. And that, that my brothers and sisters, identifies one of the main problems of Christianity today is that there are too many Christians in this world that have power because of the Holy Spirit inside of them, but they are not utilizing that power. They're not drawing from that power. And if the enemy cannot stop you from receiving what God has for you, the second part of his strategy is to frustrate you, distract you, so you do not draw from what God has already gave you. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? So Paul identifies this problem in the church at Ephesus that they were satisfied with God's truth stuck in their head, not in their hearts. They were satisfied with what they that that they had knowledge of Jesus, but 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 they were they were satisfied with the knowledge of Jesus in their head, but not in their hearts. Have you ever have you ever met a Christian like that? Don't don't look around. It's a rhetorical question. Just uh, have you ever met a Christian that has a lot of knowledge of the Scripture? But they could never seem to get their life right. Have you ever met a Christian who can debate with you about doctrine and uh, who, who can quote 20 scriptures to you and, and impress you uh, on his knowledge of the scriptures, but they could never seem to get their life right? I was sharing with the Whittier campus that in prison they have this term called jailhouse Christian jailhouse Christian. And a jailhouse Christian can uh, debate with you about doctrine and the scripture. And the, a jailhouse Christian can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a Christian scholar about theology. But the thing about a jailhouse Christian is that they never seem to get their life right. And they come back and forth in and out of society and, and jail. They come back and forth even though they have a head knowledge of the scripture. Why is that? Why is that? I would suggest to you it's because they've never allowed the knowledge of Christ in their head to penetrate into their heart. That was the challenge of the Christians in Ephesus. They were satisfied with what was in their head. And I want to remind us this morning that a faith that is only in the head is dead. A faith that is only in the head is dead. And that's why Apostle Paul prays that they be strengthened in their inner being. That's why he prays. He kind of goes directly to the target, and he's saying, I'm praying for your inner being. He says in verse 16, he says, I pray 
that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Circle that word in your Bible, inner being. Now, now I, I presented to you this phrase a couple weeks ago. I want to remind you that the inner being is the center of personal consciousness and identity. The inner being is the center of personal consciousness and identity. It's the place deep down in your soul that controls your reality. It's its place deep down in your soul that controls your reality. And whatever gets into your inner being controls your reality. Whatever gets into your inner being controls the way you respond to life. Whatever gets into your inner being controls the way you navigate through the stresses of life, the ups and downs of life. Whatever gets into your inner being, that's why this spiritual warfare is so fierce is because ever since we were little kids, the enemy is trying to get things into our inner being. So he uses ignorant people. To pronounce verdicts over our life. Even while we are little kids and somebody may say something over you. You're dumb or you're ignorant or, or this or that. And the enemy knows that if one word can get into your inner being, he can mess you up for the next 10 years. That's why he's after your inner being. And, so, and sometimes he uses images, right? Sometimes we're exposed uh, to certain images, even as little kids, and we can't shake the image. And we're 30 years old now, and we still have the image of somebody abusing us or, or seeing certain things. It's because that those images had penetrate our inner being. So Paul, he goes, he goes straight to the heart of the matter. He says, man, I'm praying. I'm praying for your inner being to be strengthened. Because remember, Proverbs says that, that guard your heart with all diligence because out of your heart flows the issues of life. Remember Proverbs says that? So Paul says, I'm praying that, that, that some of you have been hurt in your inner being. Some of you have allowed words to attach to your inner being. And I, I'm praying that the power of God strengthen you. I'm praying that the spirit of the Lord burn off some things that have attached itself to your inner being. Because I want you free. Someone shall free. See, unless God's word drills down into your inner being, it's not going to fully affect your life. Unless God's word drills down into your inner being, it doesn't transform you. Romans 7 verse 22 says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law or his word. In my inner being, my inner being, my, my inner being, I delight in God's Word. See, when God's truth becomes your controlling reality, it doesn't matter what people say about you. When God's truth becomes your controlling reality, it doesn't matter what people do to you because God's truth is now your controlling reality. That's why part of my role here is every time you come to church, is part of my role by the power of the Holy Spirit is to stuff you with the Word of God. Like We want to stuff you with the Word of God and the Spirit of God because we want God's truth to be your controlling reality. God's truth is your controlling reality. They may abandon you, but you will not live abandoned because that's not your controlling reality. 
When God's truth becomes your controlling reality, they may hurt you, but you will not live hurt because that is not your controlling reality. When God's truth becomes your controlling reality, they may offend you, but you will not live offended because that is not your controlling reality. Reality. That's why it's so important. It's so important when you come to the house of the Lord to come with an open heart. That's one of the reasons why we worship before we get into the word. Because the worship prepares our heart to receive the word of God. That's one of the reasons why we have the altar. Uh, because some of us have been through hell and high water this, this year. And the enemy has really kind of like tagged us with certain things. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God to cut off some things. Someone shout amen. It's God's truth. It's God's truth drilling down to our innermost being that transforms us. Thank God for psychologists. Thank God for counselors. We have Christian psychologists part of our church. We have Christian counselors a part of our church. Thank God for them. But I'm telling you, it starts with the word of God drilling deep down in our soul. And this is called a fresh spiritual infusion. When I talk about the word of God drilling deep down into our soul, it's called a fresh spiritual infusion. It's God's word that has been stored up in your head, finally penetrates your heart. And some of us have heard a million sermons. Some of us have been to a million church services. Some of us have read a million books. But it's when... God's word that has been stored up in our head finally penetrates our hearts. That's a spiritual infusion. When you get your heart infused with God's truth, when you get your heart freshly infused with God's grace, when you get your heart freshly infused with God's power. Psalms 40 verse 8 says, I take joy. Someone say joy. In doing your will, my God, for your instructions, your word are written on my heart. How do we get to a place where, where, where it's joyful to obey God? How do, how do we get to a place where it's joyful to say no to sin and yes to holiness? How, how do we get to a place where, where we find joy in sacrifice and joy in, in obeying God's word? I'm telling you, it's only when his word gets deep down in our soul. That's where the transformation is at. That's where the power is at. If we could get one word to penetrate in your heart, ain't nobody got to tell you to come to church no more. Ain't nobody got to tell you to read your Bible no more. There'll be something deep in your soul that will be crying out for more of God. Psalms 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How, how, how do we, how do we uh, you know, protect our life from sin? It, it, it's the word in your heart, not your head, that keeps you from sin. It's the word in your heart and not your head that keeps you from sin. 
And I shared with you a couple weeks ago, you know this is happening. You know you're experiencing this spiritual infusion when you start responding uh, about God's truth. When you start responding, I, I, I knew that, but I never really knew that. I thought I knew it, and yet... I never really do that at all. When you start responding like that, that's a sign that your knowledge of God is finally penetrating your heart. I knew it, but I never really knew it. I thought I knew it, but now I really knew it. Remember, I shared with you uh, the testimony of the ancient philosopher by the name of Blaise Pascal. He lived a couple hundred years ago. He was a, a great philosopher who eventually surrendered his life to the Lord and he began to write about God. Uh, and then when he died, uh, they found a journal entry uh, in, sewed into his jacket and uh, they kind of ripped it off and they, they read a little bit about his journal and he testifies in his journal. Listen to what he said. He says, in year 1654, Monday, 23rd, November, from half past 10 to past midnight, fire, 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 God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not the God of the philosophers and the learned, certainty, joy, certainty, emotion, sight, joy, 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 tears of joy, my God, let me not be separated from you. What happened in his life? What was he writing about? What was he trying to express? That was, that was what we call a fresh spiritual infusion. What he knew about God in his head was finally breaking into his heart. And imagine experiencing that two or three times a month. Imagine experiencing that two times. You would be unstoppable. Imagine experiencing that two or three times a month. You'd be floating in the sky. So I'm, we are preparing for October, our prayer month. And through my messages uh, leading into October, I feel that in the spiritual realm, I'm challenging the church to prepare to light the fuse. I just feel that that. These messages are challenging us to light the fuse. And, you know, sometimes in 4th of July, it's dark. And it's, sometimes it's not easy to light the fuse. Have you ever experienced that? Like, you try to light the fuse, and first of all, you're afraid that it's going to blow up in your face. And you, you, sometimes you don't even have a good wick or lighter and sometimes you're just scared. And you're like, Ugh. you ever had that? You're like this. And sometimes they're all like, come on, light it. Like, wait, wait, wait. And don't let little kids be around you because they be scaring me too, right? Light it. Come on, light it. And I just feel that, that this is what God is having us to do for preparing for October is that we're, we're you know, some of us, we, we kind of like this, but we're going to find it. We're going to find it. We're going to find it. Because uh, we, we're about to light the fuse. Because we want God to do something new. And, and, and I, I, heard, I heard somebody posted on social media, and I don't know how true this is. You'll have to fact check this. But uh, somebody said we, like, we, we are 14 Sundays away from Christmas. I don't know how true that is, but I was shocked. I said, don't tell my kids that. Because that would mess up the whole house. 
And, and, and the, the, the reason why I'm pointing this out is because if the Lord tarries and he don't come back, uh, 2024, it's coming. It's about to be right. It's going to be right. It's going to be right there. It's going to be before you know it. It's going to be right there. And listen, some of us, uh, I know I have, so I'm just going to confess, right? Some of us have been through some hell and high water this year. And, and we don't need to. We can't afford to crawl into 2024. We, we, can't, we can't afford to crawl in. We, we need to explode into 2024. We need to bust into 2024. Some of us need to, to, need to blow 24 up. And, and, and you cannot wait until December 30th. You've got to find that. You've got you to find that. You've got you to... You gotta light the fuse. You can't wait. And so, so we're we're, we're kind of like we're kind of preparing our spirit right now. All right, like getting ready, because I really believe. Listen, I really believe that God can do one thing in your life in 2024 that eclipses the whole pain of whatever the devil tried to do with you in 2023. Anybody believe that? Like, I just have the audacity to believe that all God has to do is one thing. All God needs to do is just, just one thing, and it will eclipse the pain of whatever the devil tried to do in our life in 2023. And so we ain't going to just stumble upon it, man. We got to light the fuse. We got to prepare our hearts. We got to come to the altar. We got to ask God to clear us something out. We got to repent. Some of us got to repent. I gotta say, God, get us ready. Well, I want to light the fuse. I want, I want to light the fuse, and so, and so, I'm I'm challenging the church. It's like, how how do you, how do you uh, prepare your heart for a spiritual infusion? Like, how do you, how do you, you know, just position your heart? Because you can't control when it happens. Because God is not a genie, and you cannot manipulate God, right? He's God, and we're not. But praise God, He gives us instructions on how to position our life. We could, we could position ourselves. We can't control the wind, but you could set the sail. And so, and so what, how do we position our life for a fresh spiritual infusion? I feel that Paul kind of teaches us this in this Ephesians chapter 3. He, he teaches it. So let me just point uh, uh, something out, a couple things out. Number one, like how do you prepare your life for a spiritual infusion? Number one, you have to develop a lifestyle of prayer. You got to develop a lifestyle of prayer. Now, now, it's interesting that when you go to Ephesians chapter 3, when Paul talks about this infusion, that he does not tell us how to get it. It's interesting. When you go back to that passage, he does not tell us how to find it. Instead, this is what Paul does. He prays for them to get it. He prays for them to get it. What is he doing? What is he doing by praying? Uh, what is he doing by praying? Well, here's he doing. He's showing us how to get it. He's modeling for us what to do. And my brothers and sisters, if you want more of God in your life, if you want more of God in your soul, if you want more of God in your marriage, in your family, there's no way around it. You must develop a prayer lifestyle. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. You ain't going to get it in a pill. You ain't going to get it in man in a can. You ain't going to get it by 10 minutes. No, no, no. 
Paul models for us. This is a prayer. Ephesians chapter 3 is a prayer. It's a model for us. So he doesn't tell us how to get it, but he models for us. He says, I pray. I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm praying. This is something I got to take to God. This is something I got to plead with God about. This is something I got to pour my heart out to God. I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm praying. There's no way around it. The connection between heaven and earth is prayer. There's no way around it. The connection between God's reality to be infused into your reality is prayer. There's, there's no way around it. The, 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 the force that drills a, a, a hole in your head to your heart is prayer. There's no way around it. Prayer kind of helps soften our heart for the spiritual infusion. And that's why we're launching prayer stations in the month of October. We're going to have about 25, 30 various prayer stations, some in person, some online. Uh, and we're going to pass out the, uh, the flyer next week. We'll have it on our webpage. Uh, we're going to have different prayer stations in different cities. Some, uh, I heard that uh, there's, there's a group of, of our brothers and sisters actually going to pray, like, uh, on, on the Korean, not on the Korean Bell, but near the Korean Bell in San Pedro, out in the open on Saturday morning. So there's going to be different variations. We're going to have some online um, we're also going to have on Thursday night here, uh, we're going to have prayer station. So you could bring your teenager or bring your kids. But the reason why we're doing this is because we want God to move more deeply in your life. And I'm hoping that, I'm, I'm hoping that one or two of you walk away from October with no more prayer in your life. I'm hoping that one or two of you just snap out of the rut that maybe you have been in. And we elevate the temperature of prayer in our life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to, to, to join us here on Thursday nights in the month of October and, and pray with us and pray with us. And listen, come and, and pray with us. And, and, when, and when, you're, when, you're, when you run out of words, then just sit in the presence of God. When you run out of words, sometimes we run out of words and we think we're done. You're not done. You're not done. I really feel, I really feel that, that, that sometimes, I, I feel that sometimes God, and some of you, you you're not hearing this, but I, I feel that you should hear this, that, that sometimes God tells us, be quiet. I, I wanted to say shut up, but I didn't want to offend nobody, so. But I really feel that God tells us, be quiet. Right? That, that I really feel that sometimes in prayer, God is saying, some of y'all talk too much. And, and so when you run out of words... Just sit down. Sit down. And, 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 and just listen to what God would have to say to you. Because the connection between heaven and earth is prayer. And, there's, and I feel that there's, there's no, there's, there has been no other harder generation to develop a prayer life than in our generation. I feel there's been no other harder generation, man, to develop a prayer life than in our generation. Generation, have you have you have you learned yet that by the, that every time you start to pray, all of a sudden you start to think of things you need to do? I got to send a text out. So Paul models for us prayer, and I'm going to encourage you on Thursday nights here. Let's pray, man. Let's pray. We're, we're I'm believing God to do something significant in your life, and we got to pray. The second thing Paul, Paul uh, teaches us on how to prepare our hearts for the spiritual infusion is number two. Get serious. Get serious. Someone say get serious. get serious. 
And, and where do I get that from? Listen to what he says in verse 14. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. I want you to notice this. I want you to notice. Why doesn't Paul just say, for this reason, I pray to the Father? He could have just said, for this reason, I pray to the Father. But he doesn't say that. He says, for this reason, I kneel. He said, he said, for this purpose, like, like this purpose right here, I kneel. Like, like I, I'm kneeling. He says, well, why does he inject that phrase? And be, why is he descriptive? He's trying to teach us something. What does that phrase, I kneel, teach us about Paul's attitude about this matter, about this subject? Here it is. Let me help you understand this. Listen. In that day and culture, um, almost all of the prayer was done standing up. In Paul's day, in that culture, almost all prayer, not all, but almost all prayer was done standing up. For example, in Mark eleven twenty five, Jesus said, when you stand praying, Mark eleven twenty five, 25, he says, when you stand praying, praying. Listen to this. In Luke 18, 11, when Jesus describes the Pharisees, listen to what it says. Luke uh, uh, 18, 11, it says the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. In this culture, typically, all prayer was done standing up. So when Paul says, I'm getting down on my knees for this. When he says, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care if I, if, if, if I lose my dignity in someone's eyes. This matter is so important that I'm getting down on my knees. Getting down on my knees. And, 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 and everything is on the line here. Everything is on the line. Listen, my brothers and sisters, when you finally realize that everything is on the line you don't care what you look like you don't care what other people think about you you don't care what other people may say about you no you get down on your knees and you cry out to God Cry out to God and you draw a line in the sand and say, this is it. This is it. I ain't playing games no more. I ain't messing around no more. I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm getting serious. So Paul, when he falls on his knees, he says, man, now this, this matter is so important. This is deep submission to God. This is, this is intense prayer. This is deliberate prayer. And beloved, listen, if you want to move from just believing God in your head to experiencing his power in your heart, you're gonna have to get serious. You're gonna have to get serious. Why? Why? Why do we gotta get serious? Why do we gotta get serious? It's because there's too many things against us. There's too many things against us. There's too many things against our family. There's too many things coming against our mind. There's too many distractions. There's too many discouragements. And you're not going to overcome the onslaught of the enemy if you're not serious. You're not going to overcome what the enemy throws at you if you are not serious. Now, 
Now, I want to just, uh, by way of my, my testimony, by way of my testimony, I, um, I did not just get serious with God the first time I said I'm serious with God. See, some of y'all should have said, you know, said an amen or something like that. I didn't just get serious with God the first time I said I got serious with God. It took me about three times to say I'm serious until I finally got serious. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? The reason why I'm saying this is because some of y'all, I don't want you to kick yourself over the head because some of y'all were saying, I already said I was serious. Some of y'all in your mind, you're there, I already said I was serious. Listen, I'm trying to let you know, just by way of my testimony, I didn't just get serious with God the first time I said I got serious with God. But I got serious with God. I got serious with God when everything started to fall apart. When my world collapsed, there was no more oxygen to breathe. Some people come to Jesus because of the light. I came to Jesus because of the heat. And I got serious. I got serious. And I want to let you know, if I got serious, you can get serious. You can get serious by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. How do we... How do we Prepare our hearts for a spiritual infusion. Here's the last thing. And, and what I'm about to share with you right now, I'm not going to develop it too much, but I really believe that this, what I'm about to share with you right now, is, is a key to breaking through the spirit of religion. What I'm about to share with you right now is a key to breaking through. It's a key to breaking through. And it's a practical thing, but i got to bring it up to you. And, and this is what, 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 what Paul teaches us. Uh, in verse, uh, the third thing is... Um, we need to learn to contemplate on God's word. Contemplate on God's word. Now follow along, and I'm almost ending right here. Paul prays in verse 18 that they have the power to grasp. Someone say grasp. The love of Christ. That word grasp is a key word. That word grasp originally means to break through a gate of a city. It means to break through a gate of a city. This word grasp originally means to sack a city, to break through, to break through a gate of a city. It's, it's used in different places in the Bible. For example, in Acts chapter 4, when the believers begin to preach the gospel and the religious leaders started to realize what was actually going on with the power of God. Listen to how it says in Acts 4.13. I'm putting it up on the screen. It says, when they grasp, someone say grasp, when they grasp the fact that they were uneducated and untrained ordinary men, they were astounded. Notice that word. Notice the connection between grasping and the astounding, the, the grasping and the astounding. When they grasped, they were astounded. When, when, when the word finally broke through, they were shocked. This describes a, an infusion. And Paul is teaching us with this word that, that, that we are to meditate on God's word, reflect on God's word, contemplate on God's word until something explodes. Did you catch that? 
We are to meditate on God's word, reflect on God's word, contemplate on God's word until something explodes. And you know, you know you're going to the next level in your walk with God when you move from just reading scripture to contemplating on the scripture. You, you know, remember, walking with God is a journey, right? Ups and downs. It's, it's a journey of steps, right? But we're, we're, we're to move faith to faith and glory to glory. And you know you took another step when you move from just reading God's word to contemplating God's word. You don't just read God's word. You read and meditate. You pray and contemplate until it explodes. This is what we do. We read and meditate, pray and contemplate until it explodes. You remember when Jesus rose from the grave? He saw that there were two discouraged disciples walking away from Jerusalem on the road to Emmaus. Anybody remember that story? On the day of the resurrection, when Jesus could have been celebrating the greatest victory of all time, instead, he catches up to two discouraged, depressed disciples who had their expectations crushed because they expected something, but it didn't happen. And so now they're walking away from Jerusalem, which is the hub of God's activity, which is where God is moving. And they're walking in the opposite direction and unknowing to them, Jesus loves them so much that he that he begins to walk on the side of them and on the day of his resurrection Jesus is walking next to some discouraged disciples and as he walks next to the discouraged disciples he he opens the word of God to them he speaks into their life they didn't realize it was him at first they didn't realize it was him they were blinded to Jesus being right in front of them. It's possible. It's possible to have God so close to you. But because of the cares of the world, we're blinded to seeing God's hand in our life. Because of anxiety and worry, we can't see. But, but that doesn't mean that God is not with you. Just because you don't see him, just because you don't feel him, does not mean that he is not with you. Because Jesus was walking alongside of these discouraged uh, uh, disciples. And when he left, they testified of something. I want to put this last scripture in the book of Luke 24 on the screen. Uh, when, they, when he left, they had this testimony. Listen to what they said. They said, did not our heart burn within us while he Jesus talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures did not our heart burn I want to suggest to you they experienced a spiritual explosion in their heart and it began to burn and I want to suggest to you that that 
burning, begin to burn away their condemnation, begin to burn away their doubt, begin to burn away their disgrace, begin to burn away their shame. But it starts with the explosion. And I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying during the month of October. Uh, I'm praying as you guys join our Thursday night prayer station. I'm, I'm praying, I'm praying that there's going to be some spiritual explosions going on in the life of the people of Chapel There are going to be some spiritual explosions. And, and just one thing that God does can wipe away the shame of all that the enemy has done. But listen, listen. Right now, right now. Right now we gotta we gotta light the fuse. I should have brought a firework. <laughs> Lord help us to light the fuse. I wanna close with this prayer I'm bringing back to you. Let's put it up on the screen. I want you to I want I want you to do a spiritual exercise with me. I want you to repeat this prayer out loud. Like you mean it. And then as the worship team comes up right now, uh, after we say this prayer together, I want you to just personalize this prayer and just pray it on your own. Just we're doing, we're, we're lighting the fuse. We're lighting the fuse. So um, as the worship team comes up, come on up, worship team. Uh, just play lightly in the background. I want us to say this prayer out loud like you mean it. All right. So, so say this prayer with me. Lord God, unseal my heart. Remove blockers hindering your word from penetrating my heart. Please help what I have learned about your truth penetrate my heart. Please give me a fresh infusion of your truth and love, in Jesus' name, amen. Just for a couple moments, let's pray that prayer just ourselves. Personalize that prayer just wherever you're at. Just say that. You don't have to worry about the words. Just say it in your own words. Personalize this prayer. We're lighting the fuse right now. We're lighting the fuse. We're going for the fuse right now. So let's just pray right now. Let's just pray. Come on. Let's press it. Let's light, let's light the fuse. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Lord, unseal our hearts. Remove the blockers hindering your word from penetrating my heart. Please help what I've learned about your truth penetrate my heart. Please give me a fresh infusion of your truth and love. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Come on, just personalize that prayer. We're, we're lighting the fuse. We're going for the fuse right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed. We do not want to assume that everybody here is living for the Lord. We do not want to assume that everybody here is right with God. So maybe you're here 
and you're not serving God. Maybe you're here and you got distracted. But today, you want to draw a line in the sand. Maybe you're here today, and today you want to get right with God. You want to make a public kind of declaration that I'm drawing a line in the sand and that I'm going to live for Jesus. God is calling for an army to rise up, to live for him. Not just believe him, but live for him. I want you to think about if that's you right now. Because in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the grace of God. Do you need to live right for God? Do you need to recommit your life to the Lord? If you're here this morning... If there's anybody here who needs to get right with God, repent from your sins, draw a line in the sand, and say from this point forward, Lord, I'm going to serve you with all my life. I'm going to serve you. If that's you, I want to invite you to the altar this morning so that we could pray for you. If you're here this morning and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, come to the altar of God. And we'll lead you in a simple prayer of commitment. And you will begin your next season today. Come to the altar, oh God. Hallelujah. We'll wait a couple more moments. Maybe you got to go deeper with God. Maybe you got to go further with God. Hallelujah, Lord. Come to the altar of God. I'm going to call up Pastor Laura. come to the altar, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And you just say this prayer with me from your heart, right where you're at. And then I'll pray. Then Pastor Laura will pray over your life. We'll wait a couple more moments. If anybody needs to come and make a public declaration that I'm going to serve the Lord, the altar of God is open. The altar of God is open. to the altar right where you're at just say this simple prayer with me and then Pastor Laura will pray over your life Lord, I give my heart to him. 
before I lead you in prayer, I want you two to stand up. Stand up for a second. Stand up for a second. Stand up for a second. I just want to let you guys both know. And I'm just going to speak this into your life, okay? Pay attention for a second. The world is going to try to put labels on you. The world is going to try to put their name on you. But I want to affirm in your life right now that God has already named you. That God has already named you. And you are a daughter of God. You are a daughter of God. And you may not realize the power of that right now, but we're lighting the fuse in your life. And we're putting that in your spirit, deep down in your soul. You are a daughter of God. You are favored by God. You are blessed by God. You have the power of God. You have the blessing of God around you. Everywhere you go, you don't have to look to this world for a name. You don't have to look to this world for a name. God has already named you. And my prayer is that you grow more and more the names that God has given you. You may go back on your knees to the Lord right now. For those that have come to the altar, we're going to make a declaration to God to serve Him. We're drawing a line in the sand right now. We're drawing the line in the sand right now. And I'm going to lead you just in a simple prayer. Then Pastor Laura is going to pray over you. But I want you to know that as we draw this line in the sand, condemnation is being lifted up right now in the name of Jesus. I want you to know condemnation is being lifted up right now in the name of Jesus. I want you to know that guilt is being lifted up right now in the name of Jesus. I want you to know that shame is being lifted up right now in the name of Jesus. Condemnation shall not have you. Shame shall not have you. Guilt shall not have you in the mighty name of Jesus. It's being lifted up. 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 It's being lifted up in the name of Jesus. It's being lifted up in the name of Jesus. It's being lifted up in the name of Jesus. It's being lifted up. It's being lifted up. It's being lifted up. The name of Jesus being lifted up being lifted up the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus condemnation is being lifted up grace is being lifted up say this prayer with me right where you're at just from your heart from your heart Lord God today I repent from my sins I turn from myself and today I make a public declaration I'm drawing a line in the sand Today, I will serve you. Today, I will follow after you for the rest of my life. Help me, God, not to turn to the left or to the right. But help me, God, to keep my eyes on you in the name of Jesus. I submit. I submit. I submit my will to you. I submit my dreams to you. I submit my desires to you. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. I submit in Jesus' name. Come on, let's just pray right now for a couple more moments. Let's pray. Let's press into prayer. Pastor Laura, pray over them right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray.
We come before you with the cry of a child. Yes, with Lord. the cry of a child looking up to the Father. Come on, Father, let's we pray. ask God that you would speak to us, that you would encounter Hallelujah, us, Lord. that you would show us your glory. We ask God that you would give us a life-changing word. We ask God that you would begin to shift and move the soil that is in our heart, God, that has been hardened by the cares of this world. We ask God that you would tenderize that soil deep inside of us. We ask God that you would do something radical and supernatural, even what we've not, never experienced before. God, we are powerless in our own strength, and we admit before you even now that we cannot, we cannot have a spiritual infusion apart from you. So just like Apostle Paul, we kneel before you and we ask you, Lord God, to give us an understanding that is beyond a human capacity that you would cause us to comprehend and to fully grasp the love of Jesus, that we would operate in his love, in his love, in his love for ourselves and for those around us. And so we thank you, Lord God, by faith that you have heard our cry and that you are responding, Lord God, and that you are doing something, Lord God, in our hearts. And God, we thank you that you love us so much that today, today, God, you met us and that today, God, you are changing us and you are taking us into that next step. And we thank you, God, that indeed we are moving from faith to faith and glory to glory for your glory in Jesus name amen and amen hallelujah God bless you God loves you we love you and we are so so excited for what God is going to do amen and amen at this time I'm going to invite brother Josh to come up and just lead us into another time of worship through our giving open your hearts to receive amen 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 so the scripture that comes to mind is the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. And it says, when Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money, many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Amen. The reason why Jesus was so moved by her was because she had put in more than all those that were contributing during that day. The rich came, but she was poor. They gave in large sums, but she only gave two copper coins. We live in a society today where we see the rich being celebrated by everyone and everyone and everyone, basically being glorified, and yet her being poor, she was forgotten. But not to Jesus. Not to Jesus. But why? Why is that? Clearly, her two copper coins were, was not more than the large sums that the rich were giving. They weren't more in total value, but they were more in proportion. 
because they were her all. Verse 44 says, this is why Jesus said, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. For the wealthy givers that day, there was no sacrifice. They were given out of their surplus. But this woman paid the price for her generosity. She had given it her all. And Jesus was more blessed by the proportion of her giving than a portion of theirs. It's not about the portion. It's about the proportion. Can we talk like family? God doesn't care when we give and it doesn't hurt us. He cares when we give and there's an oomph to it. There's a hurt to it. When it doesn't feel good. He cares when we serve and it doesn't feel good. He wants, to, he wants us to go against our feelings. Amen? But check out the miracle of this. God used this to correct his disciples and that equipped them for a higher level of ministry. Because of this woman's sacrifice, God used her sacrifice to change two millennium of Christian generations of ministers. Amen? I would say because of this woman's giving, there are billions and trillions upon the people that are being saved because of this giving. So how much more will God do with your giving? Amen? So as I call the ushers up, we just have a couple, couple announcements. So on the screen, you will see different types of ways to give. You also can give through the lobby. You can give through the dev machine that is in there. And there's also a QR code that will pop up momentarily. And this weekend, we are having the Women's Revive Retreat this weekend. Where are my sisters at? Amen. 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 También, hoy a las cuatro y media, tendremos nuestra gran inauguración de nuestro servicio en español aquí en Paramount. Amen. Amen. Did I do okay? <laughs> Amen. Let us all pray for our offering. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, God. We thank you so much, Lord, for the word that you have given us today, Lord. We thank you for the atmosphere, Lord, that you have provided for us. We thank you for the building and the leaders that you have provided for us, Lord, that we may be able to receive your word today, God. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that our hearts, our eyes, and ears are open spiritually, Lord, that we're able to receive every single thing, God. And Lord, just as the work that you did just in this widow's giving, Lord, Lord, we ask that you give a tenfold blessing to those that can give, God. Lord, we ask that you give salvation and deliverance and inner healing, God. Let's break some shackles in Jesus' name through the giving that is going to happen now, Lord. So, Lord, we pray and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Also, we will have, we will have some flyers for the Spanish ministry. They will be passed out in the lobby. God bless you guys. We love you.
I just invite you to lift up your arms, your hands rather, um, with your palms up. It's, it's a posture of receiving, and so we want to bless you out as you begin the rest of this week. In the name of the Father who loves you with an everlasting love, and then in the name of Jesus who came to demonstrate that love to you, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who fills you with that love, may you experience it and all the fullness of his love this week. Go this week with the blessing and the protection of the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.